Good morning, everybody. How are you? I've been hugging necks in the back, and so um, and then I realized Phil was up for, for announcements, and I thought I better move. Good morning, everyone. The rain has stopped. Yes? Yay! You can cheer for that. That's a good thing. New York City in the dry, pretty May air is the reason people live here, right? It's exciting. Um, like Phil said, I'm Marcy Miller. If I haven't met you, I would love to meet you, so please run back there and shake my hand after and and uh, let me meet you. I'd love to spend some time with you. We have been in a series of who do you say I am, right? Talking about who we think Jesus is. Now we're transitioning to who are you. People don't leave. I see people like, oh man, I don't want to talk about that, right? We've been talking about gifts. Jasmine opened us last week with this idea of spiritual gifts and what are they. And she talked to you about um, some of that out of 1 Corinthians. And so we're going to continue to discuss this elusive topic of gifts walking into the gifts that God has given you. But you know what's funny is it's really not that elusive. We've made it much more scary and theological than it needs to be. It's really this idea of your personal mission field. So this morning as we all sit here together, I want us to just go ahead and put away all the distraction of what you have to do after this, what you have to do tomorrow. I gotta fly home and try to be to my nephew's championship baseball game tonight. I told him even if I screech in the parking lot in the ninth inning, I'm coming. I think it'll be the last time he ever plays baseball, right? So we gotta, we gotta figure out how we get our mindset to be here on a Sunday morning, not distracted by anything else. So let's just spend a second clearing that out. Now that worship should have helped you with that a little bit, right? Can we give a hand for that worship? I'll tell you what, our worship team can usher in the Holy Spirit like nobody's business. And I was just telling Kieran Godfrey, if I could just pipe Alex's voice into my house every day, right? Just start my day with Alex singing to me. I would, I would like that very much. Alex, on the other hand, would run screaming, but I would like that very much. Um, God's fingerprint is on this team up here. They are using their gifts in the most incredible way. And we watch that and we think, man, I wish I could do that. I wish I had some gifts. Uh, spoiler, you do. There's a lot of gifts resonant in all these seats this morning. So we wanna talk about that. What's God's fingerprint on you? What's your mission field? You are uniquely and wonderfully made. It's the million dollar question, who am I? Right, it's the existential question, what am I here for? It's not, really, it's not really that existential. The Bible tells us very clearly. We just have to go in there and read it. We have to think about it. So how do we discover these gifts? Well, we have to have a relationship with the giver and the guider of the gifts. Another elusive topic, the Holy Spirit. Right? You think about it, you're like, I, I like this Holy Spirit idea, but I'm not really sure what that is. We're going to talk about that a little bit today, and we're going to stretch that thing out through the month of June as well to really talk about who the Holy Spirit is. But for today, I want you to think of him as the giver and the guider of the gifts that are already resident in you. They're already there. It's who you're trying to become. It's how you're trying to care for others. It's what your talents and passions are submitted to God. There's all these tests you can take, right? We all know there's these spiritual gift tests. You can Google a spiritual gift test and take it on your phone. And that's good. There's nothing wrong with that. And it'll tell you, these are the things that you might have a proclivity for. You already know that. You already know the places where you already are, feel comfortable, where you already have energy. We can pray for those things. But I really want us to look at today where the Holy Spirit is in our day-to-day -day interactions. Where is he in the minute-to-minute -minute with you? Where do I find the Holy Spirit in the Bible, you say, right? Because we're thinking, well, you're talking about the Holy Spirit, but I don't really know where to find that. Well, we see these very specific places in the Bible where it talks about the Holy Spirit. In John 20, 19, 
is a, we see Jesus bestow the Holy Spirit right there on the disciples. So right there in the Gospels, it says that Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. And suddenly Jesus was standing there among them. He said, peace be with you. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. And they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. And again, he said, peace be with you. As I'm the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Go back to that real quick. So I am sending you. Keep that in your head, right? We're talking about personal mission field today. You are being sent. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you, for, if you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Jesus is giving authority right there. He's explaining it. He's telling the disciples, here's the Holy Spirit. I breathe him on you, but there's a reason for that. It's not just for you. He's breathing him on you for a purpose. Then we go into Acts 1 and 2. Turn the page in your Bible, right, to the very next page, Acts 1 and 2, and we see the promise of the Holy Spirit in Pentecost. We see the believers are baptized by the Holy Spirit in those chapters. We see them pray for courage. We see them form a community, and then we see them share their possessions, and then they get after it. They get after the work of spreading the Holy Spirit led, led through his guidance, and it's game on. And they had to discover their gifts just like we do. There's no difference. They had to discover their gifts just the same way that we do. Then we see Paul speak about the spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians 12. Jasmine read that to you all in detail last week. If you haven't listened to that sermon, go back and listen to it. She talks about 1 Corinthians 12 in detail there. And, and then Phil's going to talk some more about that next week. So we're sort of going to bookend that with 1 Corinthians 12. So I'm not going to read through it all for you. But Paul's writing there and he's giving these really big words. Prophecy and healing and exhortation and speaking in tongues and discernment. And we think, oh my gosh, what does all that mean, right? And it freezes us up a little bit. But the interesting part about it is, is that really what it's saying is we're going to link arms with the Holy Spirit. We're going to start living in Jesus' image we're going to start caring about what Jesus cares about, right? We're going to start wading into the places that Jesus waded into in this world that we live on. And I'm going to ask you to do it with these God goggles. You're walking around in the world, but what are you seeing? What lens are you filtering everything through? It's your personal mission field. Every day when you walk out of your apartment and you look around at the streets of New York, this is your personal mission field. This is where you've been set down. What gifts are you going to employ in that personal mission field every day? We have to look at, at that idea that the people in front of us are God's work and you are the laborer, right? And everybody's like, I got a job. I don't need anything else. Don't give me any more work to do. You are the laborer in that personal mission field. And oh, guess what? It's tied into your job and into your family and into where you go get your coffee at Starbucks and into who you interact with on the subway. And it's tied into that person next to you that is being really loud and you just want to get away from. And it's tied into the person next door to you that lives in the apartment next door that won't turn their music down at midnight right, and all the other things that go on with living in New York City. It's tied into all of that. We have to look at that. Paul goes on to say... In, um, in 2 Corinthians uh, 12, 15, he goes on to say, I will gladly spend myself and, I ha and all that I have for you, even though it seems that the more I love you, the less I love me. 
He goes on to tell us, I will gladly spend myself. What he's talking about is I will spend my gifts. I will spend my treasure. I will spend who I am on the people of God. That's what he's saying there, right? The Holy Spirit, I I saw this quote that I just loved. It says, the Holy Spirit is by far the greatest gift ever given to us. Those who enter his presence enter realms of intimacy with God never previously considered. Right, think about that for a second. The Holy Spirit is the greatest gift ever given to us. Those who enter his presence enter realms of intimacy with God never previously considered. So that's the big box. That's the big box. And your gifts are the nesting boxes in the big box, right? The Holy Spirit is the big gift. You already have that. Now we gotta unwrap that and open the nesting boxes that are in it. Those are your gifts. Where are they sitting? It's That Holy Spirit is what makes the talent and the gift possible and needed in the kingdom, We need him as a guide. Jesus knew that the disciples were about to enter this crazy world. He knew that people weren't going to care about what they had to say. And and not just not care about it, strongly, vehemently disagree with it, right? Jesus had just been killed because of it. I'm not sure there's any greater form of disagreement, right? I mean, we got to think about it, right? Probably nobody's going to put you on a cross. So the greatest form of disagreement's already occurred, but you're wading into a world that may not have any interest in what you have to say. They may not have any understanding of the benefit from what you have to say, of the benefit from the things that you know. But we still have a responsibility, right? We have a responsibility to wade in there anyway. It's overwhelming to think about this idea because it seems like this supernatural concept. So we can discuss the Holy Spirit and these gifts and all these things, and we can have all these theological conversations, and none of it matters if you don't care about two things. If you don't care about the transformation of your own heart, and you don't care about the transformation of others. None of it matters if you don't care about the transformation of your own heart, that you would walk into those gifts for the service of the kingdom of God, And if you don't care about the transformation of people to your left and right and that they would then see the kingdom of God through you. Transformation is what matters. What does that mean, right? We use that word a lot. And we think, well, transformation, it sounds like this big supernatural thing. It's not. There's a very practical way to start that process of transformation. And we're going to talk about three of those today. Using your gifts means using your mind, your voice, your hands to create an environment that brings everything back to God everything back to God. The gift is freely given, but we got to supernaturally charge that gift, right? How many of you guys have a gift in your house somewhere that somebody's given you, and it's really pretty, and it's sitting there, and it's really special, and we never touch it? Don't touch that, right? Don't look at that. Don't go over there. It sits untouched. Nobody gets any benefit from it, right? It's like this super expensive car. You see these things on TV where these people have these super expensive cars and they never get touched. They never get driven. Hey, listen, somebody may have gifted you that car, but the point is to get that thing out on the open road and open it up. See what it can do. The Holy Spirit's giving you gifts in those nesting boxes to get them out on the open road and see what they can do. They're not just for you. And we like to sit in our space and be like, man, I'm good. I'm gifted. I'm talented. Listen, if you're living on this island, you are gifted and talented. We all know that. You are capable people. I get to operate in your midst every day, and I'm amazed at who you are. What if we channeled all that power and all your capability and all your talents and all your abilities to the kingdom of God every day? What if we got up every morning and said, I'm going to use everything that I am, and I'm going to channel it to the kingdom of God, right? 1 Peter 4.10 tells us, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. 
We have to serve with the gifts, right? He gives us gifts and he gives us opportunities. They are linked. There is not one without the other. Spiritual gifts and spiritual opportunities, and we have to seek them. And I know you all are thinking, man, this sounds really hard and confusing. I just wish she'd shut up. Right? Stop telling me what I have to do. Every time I preach, people call me the next week, and they're like, man, you always give me something to do. Yes, because God gave us something to do. Right? God gave us something to do. He's got work for us to do. How do we discover the Holy Spirit and how do we release him? That's the whole point. I heard this graduation speech that Denzel Washington gave. He's a really good speaker if you've never listened to him speak. We should invite him here. You think we can afford his fee? Where's Moses? Can we afford his fee? I don't know. But anyway, he gave this graduation speech and he walks up on the stage and he looks at these kids and he says, put God first. That's what he said. Didn't say, hello, I'm so proud of your graduation. Look at all you've accomplished. He said, put God first. He said, what will you do with what you have? Man, what if all of us sat down and thought, what am I going to do with what I have? And if you will have that conversation, the Holy Spirit will rush in. And he will get right in that conversation with you. Here's what we want to do with that special gift over there that's sitting there looking all pretty that we don't want anybody to touch. Man, we want to wear that thing out. We want that gift to look ratty and used. It's been applied so many times to the people of God that they can see scars on it. They can see Jesus' blood on it. They can see the tears that got wiped away with it. They can see the hugs that got given with it. Man, that gift ought to be worn out. People ought to be like, man, what's that ratty thing over there? Man, that's my gift from God. I use it every day. And it is worn out, right? Jesus gave it all. Why aren't we giving it all? What are we doing? So let's talk about a few ways that we can really practically do this because I know everybody's thinking, that sounds great, Marcia. I don't have any idea how to do that, right? God's been working on this with me for, and he worked on me on the plane last night. And I'll tell you about that in a minute. He never lets me go with this. But the first thing I want to talk about is how do we lay a foundation? We have to lay a foundation to walk into those big gifts that we see in 1 Corinthians 12. They don't just happen. You're not just going to stand up one day and give prophetic word to someone. You're not just going to stand up one day and speak discernment over someone. You're not just going to stand up one day and heal someone. You have to lay a foundation with the Holy Spirit for him to be able to infuse your actions and your words. And the first way I want you to think about is you will know you have discovered your gifts when your actions are God-centered, not self-centered. So I want you to think about that for a minute. When you get up in the morning, who are you thinking about? Well, maybe you're thinking about me, but that's probably not it. You're thinking about you, right? What do I have to do today? What is my plan? What is my calendar? And listen, I'm right there with you. I don't even get out of bed before I open that calendar. What needs to be done today? What needs to get done, right? How Am I going to become God-centered in that? How am I going to give him all the room? How am I going to see Jesus in every interaction? The Bible tells us over and over again to die to self and fill ourselves with the heart of God. We saw Peter talk about it, or Paul talk about it there in 2 Corinthians where he said, I will spend it all for you. I will spend it all for you. Do we get up in the morning and think, how am I going to ring myself out for God today? Who has had that conversation? Call me. I want to hear about it. Right? That's a, that's a big deal. If you can wake up in the morning and say, I'm going to ring myself out for God today. How am I going to activate God today? What are my motives and agenda for the day? Is it to get what I need? Is it to take care of my business? Is it to get through my day? Or is it to look at the kingdom of God and see where I can employ my gifts and see where I can insert myself? How am I going to make sure God gets the glory for every word, every action, every step? Are we putting him first? 
How am I going to make sure I don't blow right past those moments and those places where God's given me opportunity? The gift comes with opportunity. So last night, I get on the plane. I have a motive and agenda. It's three hours without my 10-year-old. Nobody can call me. It's quiet. I'm going to work on my sermon, and I'm going to read a book. I got a motive and agenda, and it has nothing to do with looking around at God's kingdom. Head down. Headphones in. Don't talk to me. Well, first of all, I forgot my headphones. Are you freaking kidding me? You ever get on a plane, you're like, I don't have my headphones. That means I don't have to talk to the person next to me. Oh, no. Right? I'm thinking, how do I fashion some headphones out of paper so it looks like you can't talk to me? Well, then these people get on the plane, and they're standby, and I can tell they're all frenzied, and they're looking around, right? And the husband gets in one row, and the woman walks up to me. I'm on the aisle, and she stands right here. This is my seat. She goes, I need in there. I said, well, you're going to have to move so I can get out. Oh, no, no. She crawls over me. She puts her hand on my head crawls over me and gets in her seat. Then she starts to, these are grown people. She starts to hand Cheetos across the aisle to her husband, not in the back, excuse me, across four people to her husband in the other aisle. I'm thinking, are you kidding me? So I'm looking, where's an empty seat? I'm getting up, right? I'm getting up. And so then she starts to talk to me about you can just tell she's just really rattled, you know, and she's like, how much did you pay for this seat? And, well, you know, blah, blah, blah. And she's going on and on. I'm looking at her. I'm thinking, okay, I don't want to talk. I want to work on my stuff, right? So the plane gets to 10,000 feet. The thing goes off, and I get my tray table down. I got all my stuff out. And I'm going to work on my stuff because that's my agenda. And she, they come through, and they give us the drinks. Now, listen, she puts her drink and her pretzels on my tray table and tells me she needs to get up. She moves it on to top of my Bible, I was telling Phil, I felt like I was in a Saturday Night Life skit. I was like, am I being punked? What, who's doing this to me? She puts all her stuff on my tray table and asks me if she can get up. I was like, well, just crawl over me like you did before, right? Just put your hand over here. Anyway, so my agenda is how do I get away from this lady, right? And, and for those of you who don't know, I'm prior military. And so there's a part of me that's like, how do I? There's a certain place you can press on someone's neck where you don't kill them. You just make them pass out. I'm like, how do I just get her to be quiet? I don't want to kill her. I just want her to be quiet, right? But I'm thinking, well, I can't go to jail. I got to preach in the morning, so I can't do that, right? But God's saying, I set her down there for a reason. She was standby, and she picked the seat next to you. Talk to her. Come to find out, old girl is terrified of flying, terrified. So then she says, what are you working on? Because she's just trying to get her mind off the flight, right? And we, we had a crappy flight, turbulence-wise and whatever. And then I realized God's like, hey, you want to sit there and write about that motive and agenda? Well, I'll just put you right in the middle of it right now. You can just go ahead and explain that to the lady next to you that you were trying to figure out how to make her pass out for two and a half hours. Right? You can just go ahead and have that conversation with her. And I realized that God said, Marcy's on this plane. I'm going to set this person next to her. And I'm going to hope she realizes that her spiritual gifting has now been given a spiritual opportunity. Look up. Pay attention. I'm glad you don't have your headphones. I'm glad you can't ignore her. There's no way to ignore somebody who is literally passing Cheetos across you to the other aisle. Right? Scared to death. So the first thing we have to do is look at our motives. Look at our agenda. What are we doing? The second thing that we have to do is overflow our gifts onto others. You will know you have discovered your gifts when they overflow onto someone else. And the only way to overflow onto someone else is to excavate your heart. What do you want for them? 
Do you care about their soul? Do you care about who they are? Do you care if they know God? Do you care if they're reaping the benefit from knowing God? Or do you just want them to get out of your way because you have somewhere to get to and they are standing at the top of the subway stairs looking confused? How many times do we think, I could overflow some God on that person or I could think in my head, you idiot, do you not live here? We don't stand at the top of the subway stairs. Move to the right, right? Because that's what goes through our head is, how dumb are you? You're standing at the top of the subway stairs. Do you know what happens when you do that here? Or could we overflow some God? Can I help you? Right? Are you lost? Are you confused? Can I help you? Listen, that's a pot calling the kettle black because I can't tell you how many people I have just run down. You're not supposed to be standing there. Get it together, right? We got to overflow these gifts. And one of the ways to do that is just to show someone who may never enter a church, may never pick up a Bible, you show him who God is by your mere presence, by the way you interact with them, by the way you love on them, by the way you're patient with them, by the way you're kind to them, by the way you might show some grace and mercy. You're the living, breathing example. We always ask for God to be 3D. He is. It's you. You're the living, breathing example of God. He is in 3D. It's you. Your touch can be his touch. Your words can be his words, right? Your truth, his truth. You get to wear the supernatural cape. How many times do you leave it at home? Because we don't even think about it. We just leave it sitting there. It's a lot of responsibility, and I understand that. But so many of you talk to me about your calling and your place, and I want to figure out what God wants me to do. He just wants you to look up. Look up and look at his kingdom and love on it. Dig in. Wade into his kingdom. Figure out where you can overflow it. I, I live in the Bible Belt of Texas right now, and one of Jordan's friends, mom, is an atheist, and when she saw this chain around my neck, she made sure I knew, I'm an atheist, and I don't want to talk to you about God. Uh-uh, don't, don't come at me. I don't want anything about it. So I thought, well, I'll just keep hanging out, right? i just keep showing up. This is two years now. And uh, she's, she plays with me. She'll be like, hey, I got this book on worshiping crystals. You want to read it? Like, she just messes with me now, you know? She's like, you know, hey, pastor, you want to read my book on, you know, because she thinks this whole God thing is crazy, and, and uh. And it's been two years now. And you know what's funny? Is now she watches this when we preach. She watches LMCC, not just me. Because she's just interested because we're friends. Right? We've become friends. I've stayed in the atheist conversation. We don't talk about it that much. But it's always this very clear delineation. Right? I've just overflowed as much of God's love into that situation as I can. I keep feeling the Holy Spirit nudge me. Go back. Go back. Go back. It's two years. She's not coming up here to get baptized. That doesn't mean God's not working. He keeps saying, go back, touch it again, touch the place again, touch the place again. You have to be willing to overflow what you have onto other people, right? And and when they're trying to get you to give up, she's like, stop coming at me, leave me alone. And I don't preach to her. I mean, I don't get out my sermon and be like, listen up, let me tell you how this is going to go, right? But we just spend time together. I just love on her. I just sit where she is. I have the conversation about crystals if that's what she wants to have. That's okay. We'll just talk about it, right? But we sit together. Sometimes that gift is just to see somebody, to recognize the lost and the searching. Some of you have the gift to just train your eyes and ear to recognize the lost and the searching around you. Don't just recognize them. That's the opportunity. That's where you go in, right? All right, and then number three, you will know you have discovered your gift when your place of pain becomes your place of compassion. What have you endured? 
where have you already been through the fire? Every one of you in here has a story for where you've already been through the fire, where something's already been hard, where you didn't think you were going to make it out, where you have been at the bottom of the depths of what this world could pummel you with. Every one of you. I know some of them, a lot of the stories as I look around, right? We've talked about them. You've been in those places. What are you doing with that? What are you doing with that place of pain? Has it become your place of compassion? Can you walk out into this ugly world and be like, I have been there and I am going to sit here with you. And I will stay in this place with you because I might be just a little further down the road than you are. I might just be a little further along. I've been doing some prison ministry stuff in Texas. And it's super interesting as I talked to this one, he's called a field minister in the prison unit. And he said, he said, you know, Marcy, that what I did, he's been in prison 40 years. He said, you know, what I did was a decision. It's not who I am. And I'll pay for it all day long. But he said, man, I'll use that to teach the people in this prison. I'll use that to show God's love and redemption in this prison. And I thought, my gosh, this guy's sitting in prison 40 years. I can't do it walking around the street in total freedom. He's way more committed to it than I am. You know, you know how you go in somewhere to minister and you think that you're going to minister? Well, God was like, you just shut up. I got somebody to minister to you sitting right here, been in prison 40 years, paying for something he did and loving God like nobody I've ever seen. If you want to see people praise God, go stand in a prison with 600 male inmates and watch them sing and worship and pray. It's like nothing you've ever seen because they've been all the way at the bottom and they've seen God's love in a way that sometimes we refuse to experience because we are too busy and we got it going on and everything's okay. And I don't need to get to that level of love with God. I don't need to get to that place, right? You guys have heard me talk about PTSD before and how I'm working through that. And one of my main problems is I don't want to work with veterans. Why do I not want to work with veterans? Because it's a mirror and I don't want to look in that, right? That's a place of pain for me and I don't want to look in that place. And lately God said, I need you to go into that place. Who else can walk into that place? We have to walk into the places God has delivered us from. He took you out. He supernaturally delivered you. He gives you all the equipping that you need to walk right back into that dark space and be a light. And when you avoid that space, you hinder his gifts. You hinder what he can do for those people. We are the body of Christ. If we won't walk into the darkness, who the heck is going to do it? Find that place of pain. Find that place where you've had to persevere and overcome and then get equipped and walk back into it for the benefit of somebody else. Right? There's all these clubs I don't want to belong to, being divorced, having a child that was in the NICU, having spent a lot of my adult life being shot at. There's a lot of clubs that you think back and you think, man, I don't be part of that club. God put you in that club for a reason. Figure out why, what gifts came from it, what can you get from that, and walk back into that place. Listen, I don't want us to get caught up in all these categories of all these big gifts in 1 Corinthians. I just want you to think through the three things we talked about today. Those big gifts will flow from what we talked about today, right? When I, when I touch somebody and I reach that hand out, that eventually becomes healing, right? When I listen to somebody and I pay attention, that eventually becomes discernment, right? When I care about somebody else's soul, that'll eventually lead to prophetic word over them. You don't need to worry about that. You don't need to try to churn those things up. It comes from the knowing people. It comes from the spending intimate time with them, caring about their soul, getting in their space, getting in their darkness and saying, let me show you God. That's what our job is. That's your mission field. That's what we need to do. We have to get in that space. All right, as we wrap this up, I want to think about those three things this week. How am I going to 
walk into my mission field this week? How am I going to overflow the love of God on someone else? Every day when you get home and you sit down on the edge of your bed, take your shoes off, or at your door, because in New York we don't get inside, right? Wherever you take your shoes off, stand there for a second and say, where did I overflow the love of God today? Where did I touch somebody? Right? Where did I show God? How did I get my own agenda and motives out of the way? How did I become God-centered today instead of self-centered? What did I do to push the devil back and bring the kingdom in? Just have a conversation with yourself. What place of pain that I've avoided did I choose to enter today? This week as I was preparing the sermon, I've had, how many of you all have watched this show on Netflix called Mother? J-Lo's in it. Has anybody seen it? Oh yeah, I know, it's so good. I've had like 27 people call me and be like, it's you. Listen, this chick is an assassin. Is she not? Shit, J-Lo can play a badass like nobody. She's an assassin. She, this whole movie is her protecting this child and chasing down these bad guys. And it's crazy. And, and I've had so many people say it's me. And I'm like, I don't know if I want to accept that title or not. But I will tell you this. She is singularly focused on saving that child's life in this movie. Singularly focused. There is no distraction. And I was, right, I was writing this this week. I was like, am I singularly focused on saving the souls around me? Am I singularly focused on the kingdom of God? Am I so laser focused in that I'll do anything, I'll spend anything I have, I will wear that gift out till it's ratty and ugly and tattered because it'll bring somebody else into the kingdom of God? Do I care enough to spend that kind of energy? This lady at the end of this movie is laying on the ground shot and she manages to pick up this rifle Scope it in and shoot somebody at probably 1,000 yards. That's not easy, Jonathan, is it? She takes him down because she's going to save this child, and I don't care what she has to do. How many of us are going to get up off the ground broken and bleeding, and we're going to go after the soul next to us like our life depended on it? It's what God needs from us. Look at the world we're living in. Look at the pain and hurt outside the walls. Look at the pain and hurt that's sitting in here. What are we doing about it? It's our personal mission field. We have to get involved in it. We have to look up and get involved in the lives of the people that live in this world around us and do the work that God has given you. Employ those gifts. Put them to work for him and watch and see what he'll do. There's so much power resident there. Let's pray. Lord, I just want to lift up this congregation to you. If if we can just take one thing away from this today, it's just that you want to partner with us, that you want to be able to use the gifts and abilities of the people in this room, that you're so excited about who they are and what they have to offer. And while you want them to be successful and happy in their lives and fulfilled, what you really want is for them to be able to overflow your love onto everybody around them. And that you will equip them to do that. You will give them exactly what they need. You will give them opportunity to hone those skills and you'll stand right there in it with them. And so we just ask for your renewed presence today, Lord. I ask right now that anybody who's sitting here, who's been thinking throughout this sermon, I don't have what it takes. She's not talking to me. That you would speak right into their ear. You would say, you are exactly what the world needs. You have exactly what I've gifted you to do. You are exactly what the people in your life need. 
I ask that we would be renewed today, that we would have a fire lit somewhere in our soul, someplace that might be dormant, that you would, you would energize that place, God. We would feel it come alive as we walk into our week this week, that we would see things through your eyes, that we would see this as our mission field, that we would see the souls of the people around us as worth saving. We would see the importance of that. Lord, I just ask for you to fall anew on everybody in this room. We would join in this together as your body of Christ. We would take the time to read your words. We would take the time to study and pray over it to see exactly where you want to use us and exactly which space. And that we would realize how important that space is. So Lord, I just ask for your favor and blessing over these people today. Ask for your presence and your love. We lift them up to you in your son's name. Amen.